The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Outside the Huddle, featuring your host, Lemont Williams, with John Inglesby. This program is a great resource for players making career transitions, as well as a place to discuss this week's top sports stories. Now, here are your hosts, Lemont Williams and John Inglesby. Sports America, welcome back to another week of Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Network. I'm Lemont Williams, and my co-host is... John Inglesby. And to join the show, the contact information is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email us at Sports at yahoo.com. John, how's it going up there in Boston this week? Terrific, Lemont. Summer has arrived. How about you? How about you? Oh, you know, you know, it's always hot and humid here in Houston, so uh, we're just trying to take it one day at a time, trying to beat this 90-degree heat. Well, we got 90s, but I'm guessing the humidity is a little less than you have. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and get uh, this, uh, today's show started, John. Uh, for the listeners out there, John and I will talk Major League Baseball and, and also talk USA World Cup. We'll go around the NFL with this week's headlines and storylines, invite my childhood mentor, Thomas Moose Battle, to the show, <clears throat> discuss the NBA Finals Game 7 showdown from last week, and just like I mentioned earlier, John, USA, 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 we won today. We won today against Angolia. Um, uh, I'm, yeah, we won today. I'm sorry about that, John. And uh, I want to ask you, uh, how big was today's win for the U.S. soccer team? Well, it was as big as it gets. Uh, you know, it was the, the face of USA soccer, Landon Donovan, finally scoring, you know, the goal at, at the biggest possible moment, maybe in the history of U.S. soccer. I mean, time will tell if this is, uh, you know, what's going to, potentially propel this sport into, uh, you know, mainstream spectator America. But, uh, you know, to do this in, in injury time with only three minutes left is nothing short of remarkable, truly. And they showed some scenes uh, on the telecast that were just unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I think a lot will depend on, you know, how they do in the second round on Saturday, the knockout round, as they call it. But, uh you know, for today, it, it just doesn't get any better than this. I mean, you know, to be three minutes away from potentially being out in the first round, which would have been a horrible setback to have, again, you know, the face of U.S. soccer score the game-winning goal and, and, and an exciting goal, very aggressive, the way he followed up the play and the initial shot by Clint Dempsey, uh, you know, just spectacular footage. And, uh, you know, it, it's as good as it gets. So hopefully yeah, this is uh, the trigger. Uh, Landon Donovan did an outstanding job by just following up the play and, and, and following through. 
uh, I guess you can follow through on any sport. Uh, I see that in World Cup today as as he made that score. But uh, let's go back a little bit. Early in the game, they called. Uh, man, he, I was thinking that maybe it's not our year here or our, our, our turn to win this World Cup thing because they kind of called a goal back against us uh, like prior uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago when they called another goal back against us. What were your thoughts when you saw that? when they call one of our players offsides and, and remove that one goal from us? No, oh, pretty similar to yours, Lemont. Just, uh, you know, it, it, it just feels like, you know, we're, we're, we're just, uh, everything's against us. You know, no matter what we do, they, they seem to be making bad calls. That bad call from last week still hasn't been explained to anybody. Yeah. And uh, that, that, of course, was my first thought. Like, oh, you, you've just got to be kidding me. Uh, here we go again. I guess that's really <laughs> the thought. Here we go again. Oh, that's just like us as Americans. We're able to take take that hit across the chin and be able to bounce back. And a great job by the U.S. soccer team today getting that first victory in World Cup history as well as advancing to the second round. Hopefully we can continue this momentum hence to Saturday's game. Let's go for some great news from today, John, to some sad news from this weekend. And One of the NBA players died this weekend. That's Manute Bowe. He died at age 47. We want to send our prayers and our best wishes to, uh, to the Bowe's family, friends, and fans. Uh, Manuk Bow died at the UVA hospital in Charlottesville. I had some kidney troubles and, uh, and some skin condition issues. Uh, but, John, for the most part, Manuk Bow played 10 seasons in the NBA, had a medium impact career in the NBA, but uh, made a huge impact across the world representing Sudan uh, with his generosity and, uh, and all his efforts he tried to do back home in Africa. Yeah, you know, one of my first thoughts is kind of ironic is that, you know, at the very month where – Africa is on the world stage, which they've longed to be forever. Uh, the very month that they finally arrive at that stage with hosting the World Cup, of course, you know, they're one of their previous, you know, uh, exports, shall we say, uh, in Minute Bowl, who, you know, helped put Africa on the map literally and figuratively, uh, you know, passed away. But I heard the most interesting thing about Minute Bowl. Uh, that basically he invented the term, my bad, which is, of course, <laughs> very, very, very popular and has been for the last year or so. Especially yeah, I still the, use it to this day. Yeah, yeah he, he, he apparently invented it. He didn't, he didn't understand English, and when he was asked any type of a question in the locker room afterwards, uh, you know, why did you not make this block or something that was, quote, critical of him, he would simply respond with, my bad. And we all know today what a popular <laughs> phrase that is. So Manu will live on in phraseology forever with that one. He definitely will live on. Again, we want to send our, our prayers and our best wishes to the Bowles family, friends, and fans for his generosity and humanitarian efforts. I think he had a goal of setting to build 41 schools in Sudan, and uh, they was on schedule to build their first one this year. So, unfortunately, his life was cut short. So uh, our prayers go out to his family. Let's go ahead and stick with the NBA, John, and recap that showdown from last week, that Game 7 of the NBA Finals wrapped up last Thursday. Pretty much a dogfight to the end, John. But the Lakers end up winning that game. I know you're pretty sad about that, getting their 16th NBA cha- uh, championship, and Kobe Bryant was the Finals MVP. In my opinion, John, I thought that the series was a terrific series uh, between two old rivals. Boston came off strong in the first half of Game 7, had a 13-point lead, but uh, the Lakers' role players and Artest and Gasol didn't let them die and kept fighting to the end. 
Yeah, well, uh, as our listeners know, I'm based up here in Boston, so it's uh, it still stings a little bit. <laughs> uh, but y- you know, it's basically uh, they ran out of gas, is the way I see it, and on the Celtics side, from the Celtics viewpoint. But I don't want to do it in any way not give credit to the Lakers. The Lakers went out and just grabbed it, and it was uh, very impressive. Uh, you know, not to get off track, but I mean, from a Boston point of view here, it's. Uh, you know, it continues what is kind of a, a nasty streak after, you know, obviously a decade of sports glory. But this is now the sixth Game 7 loss in a row for Boston teams. Oh, yeah. um, by that, I mean the Celtics. Bruins have lost three Game 7s mm-hmm. in a row. The Celtics have lost two, including the first one ever postseason at the Garden last year against the Magic. And this, of course, to the Lakers was their first ever Finals Game 7 loss. And then uh, two years ago, the the Red Sox lost to the uh, you know to the Tampa Bay Rays in Game Seven. And then you know even though it was only Game Three, they had that horrifying loss to Anaheim last year up here when Papelbon imploded. So if you go back, take a step further back to when the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and granted, a few months later the Celtics won the World Championship, but you mm-hmm. set that to the side. And Boston hasn't been doing too well, although, you know, again, they're getting there. There's yeah. a lot to be said for getting there. Yeah, well, you mentioned running out of gas, and it, it looked like you guys got fatigued. When I say you guys, Celtics looked fatigued at the end of the game, late in the fourth quarter. I don't know if it was age or just tired legs from a, a tough East Coast or Eastern Conference uh, push in the postseason. But uh, some interesting things came out the following week. Doc Rivers stated to a Boston a local radio station up there that, she Wallace indicated to him that this summer he will be walking away from the basketball or walking away from the game. I don't know what the reports are up there, John, but I uh, just want to pick your brain on that. Uh, I know Wallace started for Perkins in the final in Game 7, and he kind of fought through the whole playoffs with an with a injury to his back. Uh, but I thought that as a role player, his, 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 his skills kind of diminished this postseason. And uh, when he fouled out in Game 7, I tweeted, uh, I thought he was done. And when I mean done, I mean career. Yeah, well, I heard Danny Ainge on the radio, Celtics general manager, literally three hours ago, and he did everything but say it's official. He, so it sounds like all Rashid needs to do is basically sign whatever paper needs to be signed to say I'm retired. So Danny uh, just said, you know, it, all indications are, are that he's retired. And, you know, he, I, I, he, he had a great game seven, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they, uh, you know, when push came to shove, after not doing anything in the regular season, doing some things in the postseason, probably being playing better than expected, you know, when they absolutely, positively had to have him in Game Seven, Kendrick Perkins out, he delivered uh, yeah. in a big, in a big, big way. And uh, but his injuries apparently are just preventing him from. Doing what he wants to do, that's what Danny Ainge said, and so I'm guessing he will be retired, which basically is, that's really good news. That's salary cap relief, that type of thing. Yeah, and he also mentioned he wants to spend more time with his his kids, which is always a good thing for me, being a family man. But uh, we have less than two minutes for our break, so let me ask you another question. I saw a report come out today about Chris Paul. It seemed like he had some turmoil, some issues going on right now with the New Orleans Hornets organization. He stated, he's in London right now, he stated that... uh, with all this trade speculation going around him this week with the draft coming tomorrow on ESPN, uh, Chris Paul stated that, hey, if the New Orleans Hornets is not committed to winning, 
this offseason as far as getting big trades or getting acquisitions to the team to win, that he was, you know, he had welcomed the opportunity for them to pull the trigger for him to be traded. I want to get your thoughts on that before we take a break. Yeah, um, New Orleans just come out again today basically saying, you know, the owner, George Shin, who has financial issues, saying that, you know, they are indeed committed to Chris Paul. And uh, the GM of the Saints actually grew up within a few miles of where I grew up in central Pennsylvania, Jeff Bauer, and he also reiterated that, uh, you know, he's getting a lot of offers, but they're committed to Chris Paul. So um, everybody's saying the right things all of a sudden, uh, certainly on the management side, but they've got some serious financial issues apparently down there, so uh, yeah. we'll have to wait and see what happens, but he is certainly the face of that franchise. Yeah, the whole golf course is hurt right now, but uh, John, it's that music, so it's time to take our first break. When we come back, we'll invite my childhood mentor, Thomas Moose Battle, to the show. Next on Outside the Huddle, we'll leave Mark Williams and co-host John Inglesby on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. The IS Outdoors Talk Radio Show brings two well-known outdoorsmen to the Voice America Network with hunting and fishing info news, talking about everything from new sporting gear, places to hunt and fish, and getting more from your recreation time. Join hosts Brock Ray and Don Kirk Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. Pacific time for IS Outdoors on the Voice America Sports Channel. With their combined experience of 60 years in the woods, Brock and Don have traveled widely, creating TV shows and writing articles on hunting and fishing. Blessed with down-home humor, they are also well-versed in environmental concerns, firearms ownership, and animal rights issues. IS Outdoors offers brisk interaction with the audience, soliciting opinions and questions on a wide range of outdoors subjects. Tune in every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific time to the IS Outdoors Talk Radio Show with Brock Ray and Don Kirk, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lee Mott Williams and co-host John Inglesby on the Voice America Sports Network. John is that segment where we invite active or former players to the show. But today I got somebody very special and near dear to me. Uh, this past Sunday was Father's Day, 
And as I was sitting this weekend covering some sports events, I was thinking about our show topic for this week. I thought about kind of doing a Father's Day slash mentoring day, and the only person I can think of that can fit that bill is a good friend of mine. So, uh, um, you know, childhood mentor, father figure, you know, back home in Virginia, North Virginia, I want to invite Thomas Moose Battle to the show Outside the Huddle. Hello, Lamont. How you doing? Hey, uh, how you doing, Mr. You, you all right there? I'm good. I'm good. Okay, okay, okay. Welcome to the show Outside the Huddle, and uh, I just want to kind of get you on here on board. And first, let's go ahead and talk a little sports. I want you to tell a little, the listeners out there a little about your sports background. <laughs> right. I started playing for Morehouse High School in North Virginia back in eighth grade in 1969. Uh, during that tenure, I played for five years. Uh, made varsity in the tenth grade and was part of two of Maury's undefeated season during the term that uh, they were doing the racial balance all across the country and everything. And we were a very diverse team where we were not trying to get to that that equal balance in there. We had already been there. Uh, we had two undefeated seasons during that 1970 and 71 year, and we were probably there. Remember the Titan era. Uh, okay. And I was saying, so I went on from there, went to uh, Concord College, played there, and the bit of Old Dominion in West Virginia. That sounds good. So I just wanted the listeners to know a little bit about your sports background. Now we got out, that out the way. Let's go ahead and stay with more, more high school and their legacy a little bit there. You talked about the past, about you guys being one of the teams that go undefeated in 1971. And we fast forward to the times when I attended more from 1994 90, to 98. But uh, tell the listeners out there a little bit about the, the history of Maury, uh, especially here currently. They got a kid that just signed with my, uh, my alumni school, Howard University in basketball, and Alfonso Leary. Oh, yeah. Maury has a great uh, legacy and tradition in athletics and sports. Uh, as you know, it's the home of Joe Smith, mm-hmm. uh, the Atlanta Hawks as well. As uh, In this particular area, you had Bruce Smith in the area. It's a, just a, a, a hotbed for athletes. Uh, Murray High School, as you said, back in the 94 area, where I became a coach at Murray High School during those arrows, had a great opportunity to meet you, but prior to that, I had already known your family for years, and sometimes if you stayed the game long enough, I started coaching in 75, you never know who you're going to run across, and I think when I ran across you, I did not realize that it was your family that I had already known, so it yeah. pays to be good. Now, the Murray legacy, as we, as we mentioned, uh, had some outstanding athletes during that era. Uh, George Woodhouse set records that Presser Harvin only broke over 30-some years later when he uh, left to go to Florida. Uh, we had some of the school and titles held uh, in the state of Virginia, and uh, like I said, they lasted for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, during my coaching career there at Maury, we had some district champions, and uh, it's, it's a re- real hot bid for football in the Taiwan area. Oh, yeah, it's definitely hot. But let me go ahead and reset for the listeners. We're talking with my childhood mentor, Thomas Moose Battle, on the show today, Outside the Huddle. Let's go ahead and fast forward. We got a, got a little bit of high school football and high school legacy out of the way. Let's go ahead and talk about some things that Norfolk got going on. I know you, you stay connected to the community there and what's going on back home. And I uh, had a chance to read some, some great information, that's, in my opinion, great information. The UFL, that's that new football league that started up last year. Um, um, came out and approved this week the Norfolk, Virginia, Tidewater area for a 2011 football team. Uh, being that the fact that you had mentioned that you had a history in football and coaching as well as playing, uh, how does this new team help the college football players in the Tidewater area? 
Oh, it just only enhanced it. With Old Dominion coming on board last year with their first year having their season, and now with the United States Football League bringing in their team, uh, as you know, they've got some outstanding names as coaches like Dennis Green, uh, Mark Cuban is on board, as well as the owner, Jim Spiros. Uh, also, with Doug Williams being the general manager coming in in 2011, I think it's going to be a real great buzz in the Tidewater area. I think we've excited as I think back in the early 70s or so we had the Norfolk Neptunes and uh, there are a lot of little semi-pro teams around the area and then maybe all these teams can come together and then we can get some outstanding play in the Tidewater area. I think what Spear was looking for is a venue now. I think one of the sites he was looking for was Old Dominion, uh, Dick Price Stadium at Norfolk State University or Harbor Park. But, uh, as I know he's in the Tidewater area today and he's doing some scouting around. But I think by the end of the year, he wants to at least have all those things in place so he can get the team started. Oh, yeah, I, I'm excited for that opportunity. Old Dominion, you mentioned, just revamped their football program in Norfolk State. I'm a MEAC guy, HBCU mm-hmm. alum. Uh, and I think it's a great opportunity for a lot of those small schools around there, as well as William and Mary and uh, James Madison up north. But uh, let me go reset for the listeners. I'm talking with my childhood mentor out of Norfolk, Virginia, Thomas Moose Battle. Moving forward, Mr. Bout, I remember I remember times when you used to be very proactive and pretty much hand on, hands-on in my football recruitment process back in high school, making that transition in college. Uh, tell the listeners a little bit about what are some of the pros and cons of recruitment uh, and kids' exposure, especially in the Tidewater area? Uh, in the Tidewater area, what we do, we have a, a hot bed and we have a lot of coaches in and out of the area, but sometimes we find a lot of the kids are ill-prepared. A lot of them have the athletic uh, gift and abilities, but sometimes they leave one caption off the top of their chart, and that's the student athlete. Mm-hmm. And what happened, we found a lot of times that uh, by working with Dan to share his office, let's shout out to Sheriff B.J. Roberts and the, the outstanding crew over in Hampton with the Sheriff's Office, what happens is uh, we found a lot of students find themselves a little ill-prepared in going to college. And so when a lot of the coaches come calling for them and checking their transcripts, uh, one films and documentary on the information on it, they are not prepared. And I think what happened in 89, uh, by working in the penal system as well as coaching, uh, some of those celebrated athletes drew a concern to me because me myself attempted to help them get in college as yourself. But a lot of those kids did not have the fortitude and drive as you did. A lot of them ended up going in different directions. Some went to the streets, some went to the labor market, some went to the military, and some ended up in the penal system. So when I'm walking those bars and those corridors of the jail and I see some of those kids behind bars when they were celebrating athletes the year before, it drew a concern for me. Uh, so we got on the phone, started calling coaches and trying to get some of those kids back out there because they were just a year out of school, and it wasn't too late for them to turn their life around. And so we started helping athletes in that particular sense. And we got quite a few of them in school, and, and as you can see, uh, some of them turned out quite well. But for your, on your part, you had a little inner drive yourself that uh, something special about you that uh, I remember, I think, if it's okay if I can share with your listeners a little no, story quite, about that. Is it okay? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. Uh, I remember when you was in school, I, I had known how you were in middle school. Your grades was outstanding and everything. And what happened was when we went to your guidance counselor one day and told her that and you had it better than your system, that you wanted to go to Howard University, and you can't tell a child what they cannot do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we had some problems with that. And when you were told that you couldn't go to Howard by a counselor, that, that didn't sit well with me. 
So we went to work, and I told him, you, you can't tell a young man that what they can't do because of the fact that if it's embedded in the system, he want to holler it up and the drive is strong enough, they're going to get it. And as you can see, that just gave you a rekindling fear to keep on going. And as a matter of fact, we got on the phone and called Howard University football coach and told him about you. And sometimes making cold contact with coaches is not necessarily the greatest thing because they don't know much about you. So they got to be able to trust me as a, as a recruiter or as a scout trying to get a kid in school and they could go on my word and then take my word for you because they have not seen your face value. So what happens is, uh, as you can see, it all came to fruition in the end. You end up making it to Howard. Uh, you end up graduating. And, you know, but, see, a lot of that was done by you because you had a lot of driving fortitude yourself, finishing up. And that's why I'll forever remain so proud of you for doing what you did and not letting anyone stop you because you could have been one of those other ones just turned your corner Hung your head down and said, she told me I can't make it, so I just, I'm not going to do it. Well, I appreciate you, Mr. Bass, for taking the initiative to kind of uh, lighten the fire in me. Uh, from a distance, I always looked at you as a motivator. I always felt like, hey, I couldn't let you down or your family or my family down. So, uh, uh, you you know, I had that drive in me, but I had to have that vision. I think I got, I fed that and, and, and ate that vision from off your motivation and your push to make sure that I was successful as well as your children being successful. So I appreciate you taking the initiative to get me going there. But uh, I got a few, one more question. I know we got about three minutes for our next break, and I don't know if John wants to squeeze a question in, but uh, you mentioned the uh, Sheriff's Department, and you're out there in Hampton, Virginia, uh, working for the Sheriff's Department. Uh, and it kind of goes back to what we talked about, motivation and mentorship. But uh, uh, I noticed here lately in our area, especially in the Tywood area, has been infested by gangs, uh, uh, what do you foresee in the near future as far as for kids? Do you see it coming back around to where kids get back motivated uh, back into sports, or do you see that uh, we got a long way to go as far as getting these kids out of gangs and, and back into schools? Uh, no, as far as gangs, uh, we, we're, we're trying to we, – they have a lot of programs that are coming up now that are trying to catch them early. Uh, we had some prime examples set by some – kids in the area that did get affiliated with gangs and they see the penalty that it hurt. And I don't think they understand the ramifications by being involved with gangs. Uh, they're marked for life. They go in the registry, uh, on the national registry. They're kind of blackballed later on in life when they attempt to do things. And that's the message you want to get out to them. A lot of the sheriff's departments and jails, even with Norfolk and ours, are setting up gang task force units along with local police departments. And a lot of work is going into them for being a little proactive trying to prevent it. But uh, even though we know that we have a lot of things that we still have to be mindful of and be careful about them, uh, they are on the rise. And if, if we as adults, as parents, as mentors, be it the Blue Wims, uh, everybody's doing their part. Marvin Terry and Virginia Beach, they're doing their parts with the youth. Each one do something, then maybe we can kind of grab the ones that we can, and the numbers won't be as big as we think they are. Yeah. But, uh, they are on the rise in Virginia as well as throughout the country. and. Uh, it's it's an ongoing uh, battle that, but we cannot give up as adults. We have to hang in there and see what we can do to try to eliminate them. Well, well said, Mr. Bow. You know, I want to thank you for coming on the show tonight. You know, you and Miss Bow got a special part place in my heart, and uh, I want you to tell everybody I said hello back home. And uh, I know you got a new grandbaby back home, so uh, give the baby <laughs> grandbaby a kiss for me. I sure will, Mont, and uh, look forward to seeing you when you get in the area. And thank you so very much, and uh, much success on your show and to all the listeners out there. And I just appreciate the opportunity and the invite. 
Uh, just want to let you know one other thing. And as far as we are doing in Hampton, we have uh, you know child identification programs. We have uh, tools at the jail that we're trying to do to combat the the problem. We have lunch better program where our deputies go out and read the kids during their lunch breaks in schools, and we're very uh, involved with our seniors in the Hampton community. So we 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 try to do what little bit we can, Sheriff B.J. Robinson and the crew in Hampton, what we can get done. I understand. And let me know if you need anything from me down here in Houston. I sure will. I most definitely will. Okay, then we're going to take our next break. After we come back from our break, John and I will go around the NFL and discuss NFL headlines and storylines from this past week. Next on Outside the Huddle with Lee Mott Wibbs and co-host John Inglesby on the Voice America Sports Network. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports we some hard hitters we some hard hitters hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show your hosts are nfl veterans mark mcmillan and co-host byron evans it's an hour of hater free radio every week You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard Hitting Radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Looking for a top show about horse racing and handicapping? Looking to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies website where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. Listen for top plays for the weekend in the spot play of the week and win prizes just for listening. Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer is live Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Network. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lee Mont Williams and co-host John Inglesby. On the Voice America Sports Network. John, it's that segment 
that we love the most. That's when we talk about the NFL football. So let's go around the NFL. Let's talk about a topic that we talked about briefly last week and that seemed like it's still lingering around, I guess, until training camp starts, and that's the Albert Hainsworth situation, uh, not making uh, mandatory minicamps for the Redskins. Uh, he skipped mandatory minicamp, three-day minicamp last week and uh, came out demanding for a trade. The all-pro tackle Kip pretty much, John, doesn't like the Redskins' new regime and the new direction they're going in with the new 3-4 defensive scheme, which puts them at a nose guard. But uh, John Hainsworth's situation is pretty much, like I stated, the hottest NFL topic right now in this all season. But uh, what's your, what are your thoughts on his teammates, uh, London Fletcher, as well as uh, other small teammates on the team, kind of going public uh, to the media about him not being there? Well, it's highly unusual for teammates to speak out against another teammate, especially in the area of contract negotiation or something in any way tied to the contract or sitting out or however you want to play it. So Albert Hainsworth has, you know, I believe crossed the line. You know, it's uh, let's not forget this is a guy who was suspended a few years back for stomping on someone's head during a game. <laughs> yeah. And, um so this is what we're dealing with, and, you know, it's a real bad way to start the Mike Shanahan, Donovan McNabb era in Washington. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even alumni, Redskin alumni, are, are coming out, you know, against Hainsworth. So there's just uniform, you know, disgust, for lack of a better word, against his actions, although I did see... Uh, some news today where he says he will be there at training camp, but uh, that remains to be seen. Yeah, I saw that yeah, before we went on there as well, that he stated, he sent out a press release stating that he will be in training camp. So it's more a damage control situation. His, his PR people, is, is, and you know about PR with your business, and his, oh, yeah. his agent is putting out stuff to kind of put water or, or put, put that fire out a little bit. But uh, the damage is done, I think. Uh, once he comes back to the locker room, he just not have to prove it to the front office. He's kind of had to restore some uh, some relationships with his teammates. But uh, knowing the Redskins, they don't stay down for long, and they always find a way to make a splash in the offseason. Uh, despite having the issues with Albert Hainsworth this past week, they were able to make some moves this past weekend, and they signed restricted free agent offensive tackle Jamal Brown from out of New Orleans. Uh, for the listeners out there, Saints, Saints fans as well down here in the Gulf Coast, uh, the Saints traded a two-time Pro Bowl tackler for future draft picks which the Redskins happen to give away each and every year about this time. But uh, the Redskins uh, gave up future draft picks for the Pro Bowl, two-time Pro Bowl tackle. John, the Redskins is no stranger, like I just stated, to the free agent market in this time of the year. Uh, how will Jamal Brown uh, enhance the Redskins' line? Well, you know, it's a, it's a great signing by Shanahan. Uh, first off, you know, he shows up with a, with a Super Bowl ring, one just a few months ago. And that is, you know, what a lot of coaches who are successful, like Shanahan, you know, like to build that uh, culture of winning. And there's no better way to do it than someone fresh off a Super Bowl victory, especially one as improbable as New Orleans. So, uh, you know, he's a, he's a two-time All-Pro, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, the Redskins' offensive line has always been their signature uh, unit within the team, you might say. And... Uh, so I, I think it's the first of, uh, of potentially many signings as Shanahan puts his stamp on this team and basically, you know, probably will do a makeover. It's only a question of how extreme will it be. 
Yeah, I'm, it got me a little nervous here. We played the Redskins the second week. Uh, when I say we, the Houston Texans travel up to D.C. to play them the second week, which I will be there covering the game. And a little nervous. It seemed like the Redskins are making all the right moves this offseason. Uh, they picked the McNabb as well as they drafted the uh, uh, the offensive tackle out of Oklahoma this past draft. And they went and got another Oklahoma Sooner in Jamal Brown. Uh, if he can find a way to stay healthy, because he's coming off an injured season last year, he's in pretty, pretty much lost his position down in New Orleans. But if he can find himself to be healthy, and uh, the Redskins having to replace that depleted line by losing uh, their guy Chris Samuels, all pro guy to retirement, and uh, with his big, you know, being an ex pro bowler and a big frame, six eight guy, I think it'll make a, a huge impact on on that offensive line right away and, and hopefully he can bring some experience and like you said that, that Super Bowl ring speaks volumes so he can wear that in the locker room and guys get jealous and get motivated and try to get out there and get them one. So exactly. um uh, I, I think that was a good pickup this weekend to kind of balance out that, that, that horrible news or uh, troubling news they had to follow last week, early last week with Albert Hainsworth not reporting to um to um, mandatory minicamp. But uh, let's go ahead and move forward from one signing to another, John. Talk about a guy that you know uh, you've been covering for a while. The Raiders um, pretty much have some good news coming out of the, out the West Coast. They signed Richard Seymour. Uh, he signed his franchise tag worth $12.4 million, And the Raiders pretty much signed all their vets under contract this, this, uh, so far this offseason heading to next season. Uh, John, the Raiders are showing some positive light, in my opinion. They cut Jamarcus Russell. They signed all their vets. What are, what are you expecting from the Raiders uh, to do this season? Well, you, uh, you do have to like that they have all their vets signed. Uh, Richard Seymour is a very intelligent guy based on my interactions with him up here in New England. And if I had to guess, my take on the situation is, is that, you know, he took more of a Let's wait and see. I'm, I'm guessing the Raiders have made a lot of promises as to, you know, what they envision doing with the team in the next year or two. And, you know, Seymour jumped from $3 million last year to $12 million. That's obviously the most he's ever made in a year. And I'm thinking that, you know, short of signing a Albert Hainsworth-type contract, that Seymour was probably pretty happy with just saying, you know, let's take this $12 million for the year, see how it all pans out. There's a lot of room for optimism for the first time in many, many years in Raider Nation. And I'm guessing that Seymour, you know, probably, you know, moved out like the Bay Area. Who wouldn't? And, you know, probably was just happy to sign a big, fat one-year contract and just see what direction the Raiders are headed in. Yeah, this would be the first year they have some kind of consistency from the head coaching position to D linemen and, and like you stated and I stated the vets all vets are signed on the contract so that's one I can't promise you and guarantee anything but one thing I know that the Raiders last seven seasons has had the NFL worst uh, uh, record pretty much they always been in the top ten as far as draft picks so uh, uh, hopefully the Raiders get that thing turned around Al Davis seemed like he he's up now from his coma so maybe he can get some things going around in the front office and, and, and get everything going uh, I'm just teasing about the coma part. I don't think he was in a coma, but I just been funny. But uh, moving forward, John, go from some good news from Oakland, getting everything turned around to some horrible news in Carolina. Carolina Panther All-Pro wide receiver Steve Smith broke, broke his arm this week <laughs> during a flag football game with some kids at a camp that he does annually every year in Charlotte. The four-time Pro Bowler broke the same arm that he broke at the end of last season. John, what are your thoughts on this very unusual situa- situation? 
uh, there at Carolina, and do you think that will hurt them going into this season? Well, there actually have been some reports that he may have been playing in a flag football game with adults. But regardless, uh, you know, he's an interesting character, Steve Smith. Uh, I guess I would say, you know, at least he did it playing football. He wasn't, you know, which I assume beats, you know, skydiving or parasailing or mountain climbing or zip lining or whatever other one, uh, you know, quote, dangerous activity that they have in uh, NFL contracts. But he is, he, he always seems to be embroiled in something. Um, be it, you know, when he punched out the teammate or, you know, again, he, he, he just is always, uh, you know, somewhere in, uh, you know, the center of attention, shall we say, and big personality, great player. But bottom line, to answer your question, uh, there appears total by total acclamation he will be 100% to start the season, no problem whatsoever. Yeah. So as long as there's no lingering effects from breaking the same arm twice, medically speaking, uh, I think it will be a distant memory mm-hmm. soon. Well, I'm not really too concerned. I'm concerned a little Due to his age, he's you know he's in his thirties now, so yep. everybody heals different when you you get past thirty. But uh, I'm not really too concerned from that from a standpoint of his upper extremity, it's his arm, not his legs. And as a wide receiver, as long as he's able to continue to get his condition in, run, and do pretty much everything with the team besides team contact, uh, I think he'd just uh, be a little bit. I mean, he's he's caught a hundred balls or more, so he should be okay with that. But I just thought it was kind of bonehead move on his part to kind of put himself in that position. But you never know what can happen nowadays, and uh, here's a perfect example of that taking place. But we have two minutes left for our next break. I want to talk about a real good topic, John, right here before we go to break, and that's the NFL union and the NFL uh, organization. I mean, the NFL and the union officers met last week to kind of their first negotiation session this offseason, but the league wants to kind of is lobbying to reduce the play, uh, preseason games from four to two Increase the regular season games from 16 to 18. John, you got current players like Ray Lewis and your boy up there in New England, Tom Brady, kind of disagree with that proposal by the league. Uh, how do you feel about the league uh, request to drop two and add two? Well, anything that reduces the number of preseason games has my vote, period. Uh, you know, as a season ticket holder for 18 years with the Patriots, uh, it's you know, it literally disgusts me to have to pay the same price for preseason games that I have to pay for a regular season game, and every NFL fan would absolutely agree with me, no question. That said, you know, I, I do understand the injury concern on the part of uh, the players, but Commissioner Goodell has said, you know, were they to do this, go to 18 games in two preseasons, they would need to change the off-season training schedule. But as I've said a couple times previously on this show, I have sat. Well, John, hold up the whole lot. I hear the music right there. So it's time for us to take another break. When we come back, we'll continue that discussion about the NFL Union replacing the games, preseason games. Next on Outside the Huddle, we'll leave my Williams and co-host. John Inglesby. On the Voice American Sports Network. Beauty. It's a fly ball, deep right field. Not goes O'Neal. He's a touchdown. Got it. 
to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports are you a real sports fan get ready to talk football and anything else sports with kwame lassiter formerly with the arizona cardinals san diego chargers and st louis rams kwame's got the experience so he's prepared to talk sports with you Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The Sports Mavericks show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouillet and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on the Voice. Voice America Sports Channel. It's football, pop culture, and everything in between. Get ready for the game plan with Anthony Heron, a.k.a. Big Ant. Anthony has a background in college and professional football and brings the player, coach, and broadcaster perspective to this weekly roundup of the top sports news and events. Big Ant wants to hear from you, too. Tune in to the game plan with Anthony Heron every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific time on the voice america sports channel it's game time your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're outside the huddle with lemont williams and co-host john inglesby Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby. On the Voice American Sports Network. John, this is our last segment, man. What happened to this hour? I went back so fast. I need to get with Ray, man. Maybe we can extend some more time on this show. But uh, There you go. Yeah, but uh, we're in our last segment. Let's go ahead and finish talking about some topics that we, we hit on before the break, and that's the, the NFL and the NFL Union kind of going into their first negotiation session this, this all season since February. And the league is kind of lobbying right now for the to reduce the – Preseason games from four to two, and increased the regular season games from sixteen to eighteen, starting in twenty twelve. And John, uh, before before we went to break, or I had to stop you doing you know doing the music there. So I want to go ahead and allow you to finish your thoughts on that, and I'm going to go ahead and give you mine. 
Oh, well, thank you, Lemont. Uh, I was just starting to say that, you know, I've attended uh, half a dozen or so of Commissioner Roger Goodell's press conferences since October, and this question has come up at every single one, and, you know, he seems completely determined, uh, hell-bent, he might say, on, you know, going down to two preseason games and, you know, and then potentially up to 18 regular season games. And thus far, you know, what the commissioner really, really wants seems to happen. So I have every reason to believe that this indeed will happen. The sticking point is this one is sort of roped into, you know, the whole collective bargaining uh, agreement negotiation. So we'll see how it pans out, but clearly the commissioner is in favor of it. Well, you know, anything the commissioner put his stamp on, his stamp on is going to happen. I mean, he's the commissioner of the league. Uh, I think he's 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 throwing on uh, the burden on the fan shoulders, saying, "Hey, the fans doesn't want it." And a lot of players always say, "Hey, while we have these games, and the fans don't really want to sit through a lot of the, the third and the fourth game." But uh, here's my perspective on it, uh, and I'm a I'm a step in, I'm a step I'm stand on my my soapbox right here because I'm going from a personal standpoint. I, I you know I signed as an undrafted free agent out of Howard, and I think. Eliminating two games is only hurts players like myself or former players like myself that's trying to make a team. I mean, for example, we had it was ten spots for the Redskins, and out of ten, seven pretty much was a shoe-in position. I mean, out of that seven, three you knew was going to start. That was Lavar Arrington, that was Jesse Armstead, and that was Jeremiah Trotter. So you got a guy like myself coming from a smaller school, uh, undrafted free agent, trying to make the team. But he only only have two games to produce and show himself uh, worthy to make this squad, and I think that limits the opportunity for a lot of undrafted free agents uh, to make any professional team in the NFL. I think taking away two games only hurt them, don't help them, because it benefits the uh, nothing is guaranteed in the NFL, not even the contracts. But it kind of helps the shoe in guys, the guys that's pretty much she went for a position on the back end as far as compensation with two more regular season games, but it hurts guys that really, in my opinion, the, the bloodline and the heartbeat of the NFL, which is the undrafted free agents. I mean, we can go on and talk about uh, Kurt Warner, other guys that just uh, undrafted guys coming to the league and, and been very successful. So I think taking away two games only helps the veteran players and the guys that know they're going to make the team, but it, it limits the opportunity for undrafted free agents to get out there and prove himself because, let's face it, in, game, in, in preseason, you know, the third game and the fourth game, Ray Lewis and Tom Brady's not going to be out there. You're going to have guys out there for, from small schools, uh, you know, from up on the northeast all the way down to the south, trying to prove themselves. And this is the only opportunity they're going to ever run down there on the kickoff team, or only opportunity for them to be on this big platform to make a team. And if you only give them two games, I think that's, just, that's cutting them short. But that's just my two cents on it. Oh, I think it's a great perspective, Lemont. Uh, you know, only someone who has played in the NFL would, is, you know, would really be thinking about that. Uh, so, excellent perspective. Yeah, but again, I, I'm just I'm on the bottom of the totem pole. So, I, my, my the only voice I have is through Voice of America. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, moving forward, let's go ahead and move from the NFL uh, since we got a few more minutes here left. Let's talk about some baseball, some great baseball this weekend, as well as other sports going around. But. Uh, Talk about the Dodgers and the Boston Red Sox series this weekend. L.A. Dodgers traveled to Boston this past weekend, and Super Manny returned to Boston for the first time since winning two World Series. 
John, I don't know if you attended any of the games the past week from the Dodgers series, but uh, if you did, let us know a little bit about that now as well. How was the uh, the feel for Super Manning? Manning Ramirez been back in Boston. Well, I did not make uh, any of the games. Still in mourning from the Celtics, but uh, you know, it, it, it actually, it was a great you know uh, distraction, shall we say, from the Celtics. Uh, you know, no sooner did everybody wake up Friday morning with their Celtic hangover than, lo and behold, who was uh, right here back in Boston for the first time, but Manny Ramirez. And, uh, you know, say what you want about Manny. I mean, he has, you know, legions of loyal followers up here that think he was, you know, run out of town. And, you know, there are just as many Manny bashers up here that believe he was, you know, uh, you know, that he basically conducted a sit-down strike uh, to get himself out of town. So it was a great series. You know, Manny did have a home run, uh, and, you know, he, his presence was felt throughout the weekend. And, you know, the, the Red Sox swept. Uh, they're flirting with first place. They've just come out of nowhere. And, again, you know, no one has paid any attention to the Red Sox up here uh, because of the Bruins and the Celtics in the postseason. So, uh, literally, Friday morning was the day that everybody woke up and started to pay attention. Manny's in town. The Red Sox are flirting with first place. They sweep the Dodgers. So, all in all, it was a pretty fascinating weekend, I must say. Well, we'll definitely see. Yeah, I was excited to see Manny back. I was surprised to see the fans welcome him back with open arms. I think they cheered him the first couple of times to the plate. Uh, he uh, it, was, it was mixed. There. As so, people I've talked to at the game said it was clearly mixed. Yeah. Okay. But, that's good. That's good. I mean, I know that you guys good. up there are loyal, hardcore fans, and you can run a guy out of town if you wanted to. But uh, that was pretty good. And also, we had the Subway Series with the Yankees, and you know they end up winning that series and against the Mets, and uh, end up getting first place in the AL East. So, like you said, uh, the Boston Red Sox and the Yankees is going to come down to the wire now that the Yankees are in first place. And uh, with two minutes left here before we break, uh, give me your thoughts on that Yankees real quick, the Yankees in the, the Mets-Subway series. Well, just that it was, you know, some great pitching matchups and, you know, uh, with Sabathia and uh, Santana, you know, just some great names. I mean, both teams have a lot of great names. The Yankees did what they needed to do with Teixeira's Grand Slam on Sunday. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised, given their talent, if we look back in a month or two or maybe at the end of the season and say, you know, the Yankees took over first place on whatever Sunday was, June 20th, I believe, and and never looked back. And I don't mean never looked back with runaway with the division, but, you know, simply stayed in first place the rest of the season. Uh, you know, they're that kind of a team. They have that kind of staying power. And uh, so uh, this may turn out to be, you know, a pivotal weekend for them. Yeah, we definitely see, especially with the All-Star break coming up here in July. and uh, That's when I normally kind of chime into the Major League Baseball, right when the All-Star season comes around, and I follow it after that. But, uh, John, our time went by so fast, man. The show is amazing. Now. So let's go ahead and wrap up the show. I want to thank all the listeners out there for listening to Outside the Huddle. We'll leave my Williams and co-host. John Inglesby. On the Voice of America Sports Network. Have a blessed weekend, and remember, sports plus business equals wealth.
Thanks for joining Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby. We're back next week for another live show, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Check back with us on the Voice America Sports Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.